2 Samuel chapter 13, for those of you who brought your Bibles, follow along with this interesting story called Let's Be Friends. After this, Absalom, the son of David, had a lovely sister whose name was Tamar. And Amnon, the son of David, loved her. And Amnon was so distressed over his sister Tamar that he became sick. So he was lovesick, for she was a virgin. And it was improper for Amnon to do anything to her. But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shimeah, David's brother. Now Jonadab was a very crafty man. And he said to him, Why are you, the king's son, becoming thinner day after day? Will you not tell me? And Amnon said, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. Wow. So, Father, thank you for true friends, friends that truly care enough to speak to us truth. Thank God your son is our best friend, and he always speaks to us the truth. So may his spirit illuminate truth to us today. So ultimately, when we're done studying your truths, we will live in victory, not defeat. In Jesus' name, amen. So go to verse 5. So Jonadab said to him, lie down on your bed and pretend to be ill. So he's giving him some advice. And when your father comes to see you, say to him, please let my sister Tamar come and give me food and prepare the food in my sight that I may see it and eat it from her hand. And I'm going to skip down to verse 12 and you get time later in the day. You can read the in between verses because they kind of fill in the story for you. Verse 12 says, but she answered him, no, my brother, do not force me. For no such thing should be done in Israel. Do not do this disgraceful thing. And I, where could I take my shame? And as for you, you'd be like one of the fools in Israel. Now therefore, please speak to the king, for he will not withhold me from you. However, he would not heed her voice. And being stronger than she, he forced her and lay with her. Wow. Wow. God doesn't hold anything back in his word, does he? There it is, unsugar-coated, not at all. Now, some of you have Facebook pages, and I know more of you than will admit to it have them because people bring me stuff you put on their Facebook pages, so I know. So how many will admit I have a Facebook page? Okay, and the rest of you, well, we'll let you and God settle that. Um, those of you who have Facebook pages have what's called friend requests. The average Facebook user has 130 friends. The average Facebook user sends out eight friend requests a month. People are always desirous to be your friends, and there are people you need to be wary of who desire to be your friends. Throughout time, there have been some very famous friends, Jack and Jill, SpongeBob and Patrick, Batman and Robin, Rocky and Bullwinkle. That goes back a ways. That's one of John Ashcroft's favorite TV series was Rocky and Bullwinkle. Charlie Brown and Lucy, and the friendship of America and Israel. May that relationship never end. Amen? 
This is a story with life lessons you must never forget. Amnon was, a, was the son of King David. He grew up in the palace of David, and he had all the privileges of royalty because of his father. And not only was he the king's son, he was a young man who was in his late teens. He was growing through adolescence and experiencing everything every teen just about to enter adulthood experiences. He's experiencing the great awakening of becoming a man. Emotions, impressions, sexual awareness. And when you read some of the things in God's Word, you can find them disturbing, maybe even uncomfortable. And Tamar made a statement that in our recent past as as a society, as a culture, we could never relate to. Tamar was Amnon's half-brother, or sister, excuse me. Tamar was Amnon's half-sister, and she told Amnon to ask the king, and he would grant the request for the two of them to get married. Now, in our culture, generally speaking, that would have been prohibited because we were basing our national conduct and our statehood on New Testament principles. And our fathers instituted those. Where with our political leadership today, man, we're about to open the floodgates, allowing for about every perversion the Word of God prohibits. The present administration has spoken out to the Supreme Court and asked the Supreme Court to strike down the Defense of Marriage Act. That's almost unbelievable that we would get to that place in this culture. In the Old Testament days, because of the hardness of the hearts of the people, God permitted certain actions, though it was not his perfect will. Multiple wives, divorce, marriage within families, all because of the hardness of the heart. When we get into the New Testament, because there is a heart change, God allowing now for the provision of the Holy Spirit to come to each of us and give us strength, giving us the authority and the power, then God says, I'm ordering you to do my perfect will and live according to my precepts. In Old Testament days, even the days in which Jesus lived, they questioned him about divorce. And when you remember the stories related to that, Jesus specifically said, because of the hardness of the heart, Moses permitted divorce and remarriage. And because of the hardness of the heart of man. Because in that day, you could just take a piece of paper, write down, I divorce you, I divorce you, I divorce you, hand it to your spouse, and end the marriage. And that was because of the hardness of the heart. And God said, I hate divorce. It's not my plan. It's not my will. It creates trouble for everybody wherever it happens. It fractures people. So in the New Testament, Jesus said, these are now the new covenant perimeters for marriage. And do not dissolve one unless you have crossed specific lines and only then. So there's a change. Because the heart is supposed to change. Because David had more than one wife. 
and permissible during that day, a marriage between Tamar and Amnon. And they had the same father, but different mothers. And if Amnon would have asked David, marriage between the two might have been allowed under the old covenant. But in the passage, you see something happening with Amnon. He's the king's son. He's entering adulthood. He's attracted to Tamar, his half-sister. Now, God designed each of us to be attracted to a member of the opposite sex, to love and to be loved, to be married, to have a family. As a follower of Christ, I'm praying that God will bring into your life the select person for your partnership in life. If you're a male, I am praying that you will find a suitable female partner. If you're female, I'm praying that you'll find a suitable male partner. In types and shadows, notice that he found someone in the king's house. He pursued someone in the king's house. And I'm praying you don't go shopping out in the world to find yourself a mate. I pray you don't partner with someone who doesn't love your king and honor your king and worship your king. That you don't want to hunt for some foreign god and procure some mate somehow, only creating for yourself a war inwardly about your faith. You don't have to go outside. God has someone in the king's house in the family of the Lord, who's right for you. So believe him, trust him, live right, and let God arrange for you the plan he has. He'll always arrange a great hookup. Get somebody who's a king's kid. Connect with someone who loves the Lord. Seek the king for his perfect partner for your life. One who's not ashamed to come to church with you and worship God And you don't have to apologize to them every time someone nearby you gets happy in church. God has somebody for you in the king's house. And then it's a beautiful thing to witness, to watch people that are blessed of God and arranged by God fall in love and it's God's will and faith is shared and a lifetime partnership begins. Physical attraction is designed by God, but he placed parameters To be sure that when love is expressed, it's in his will and in his plan, not just physical desires being expressed. So it says in the word that Amnon loved Tamar. It says right there, Amnon, the son of David, loved her. Now somewhere in that developing relationship, Amnon began to lose the battle for the mind. I preached that to you a few weeks ago. He was the king's son, and he failed to guard his thinking, and he begins to lose the battle for the mind. It was not a sin to be attracted to the young lady, but he went in his mind to a place where he should have never gone. He was losing the battle mentally. And Amnon no longer wanted to be around other people of his age. Amnon withdrew. And that's always a danger signal. Watch out when people couple off and they withdraw from their relationships, no longer with a group of others, of their peers. He withdrew and he begins to scheme and plot to get Tamar alone so he could do what he wanted to do. Love deteriorated to lust. Understand how important it is that when your children are in their teens for them to go out in groups rather than get isolated. 
when you are out alone, isolated, with no accountability, you are putting the ingredients together for a problem. And you don't want to be around your friends, and you only want to be alone. It's a warning sign, and that's a danger sign when there's no accountability, and trouble will begin. For his carnal mind began to dominate him every day. He's losing the battle for his mind. And that's why it's so important not to lose the battle for your mind. Get that part of the message because it's important to have the reservoir of God's word fill your mind. You can be a king's kid and the enemy will turn your natural desire into something unclean, impure, and sinful. Doesn't have to be like that. God gave you desires but he also gave you the Holy Spirit to give you the power to control your desires. One of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. He gave you the Word of God to hide in your heart, which builds and creates a perimeter line preventing your destruction so the enemy doesn't dare cross it. So the Holy Spirit and the Word of God are given so you're well-equipped to resist the old carnal nature. He builds in protective seals for your life and your mind. Now, it's not wrong to be attracted, but it's wrong when you cave and you lose the battle for your mind because you're sitting around watching MTV in Jersey Shore and listening to musical porn in your ears. That's going to get you in trouble. Exchanging info on Facebook about what this one did and that one did and turning it into your personal gossip column. Instead of saying nothing in response to some crazy statement, or even defriending the person doing that, you send them a congratulations for biblically incorrect behavior. What's wrong with that? Really? Or you don't even know if the person is telling the truth. And before you've done what the wise would do, discerning would do, don't believe everything somebody says to you, 1 John 4, okay? Don't believe everything you hear. Before you even know if what they put on that page is true, you're sending them sympathy. Oh, sorry to hear that. You're losing the battle for your mind. Now, Amnon moved from love to lust. Tamar was a virgin. Up until that time, Amnon was not inappropriate. He, did, he acted accordingly. He did not cross any lines. Something in him wanted to do the right thing. Yet inwardly... He is capitulating to lust, and he's burning inside, but he's not acted out on any of those thoughts because he's been raised in a house with some standards. His father has a heart after God. There's something in his own heart that says, even though I desire her, it's not right to do it this way. So the battle, however, was being lost incrementally in his mind, but still he doesn't cross the line. He knows better. He's raised differently. The fear of the Lord is instilled in him. Now watch. Calvary Christian Center, everyone is not crossing the line. Not everybody's doing drugs. Not everybody's getting buzzed. Not everybody's having sex outside of marriage. Not everyone is committing adultery. Not everyone is doing all that junk. Don't you believe that lie? It's not true. Some are still standing for what's right. And I respect any student who stands up for what's right. Even though there's a battle that rages in your mind, yet you do not give in. I salute you. I thank God for you. Amen. 
Because nationally, nationally, when students graduate high school, 19% of them have tried cocaine. Wow. 70% of them have experimented with alcohol nationally when they graduate. By the time they graduate, nearly 90% have tried a drug or tried alcohol. 68% nationally have lost their virginity. I'm glad for some students who stand up and say, it matters not what others do, doesn't make it right, and I'm not going to participate. And somebody will say, well, pastor, that's unrealistic. It's biblical. It's biblical. And more and more students will stand up and do what's right because God will always have himself a people, always. And someone here at Calvary Christian Center will not attend that beer party, will not attend the pot party, and will remain pure. And stand, and having done all, stand. Because temptation is only for a season. One of Satan's names is Lord of the Flies. Well, the fly only lives for 30 days. And his eggs only live for 40. So if you can take a stand against that temptation for about 30 days, God will give you the strength, and the next time temptation shows up, it'll have less power over you. Learn how to stand, and God's presence will appear and God will strengthen you. But Amnon was struggling. And as the king's son, he resisted, even though he was losing the battle in his mind. Now, I wish the story ended right there. But I'm sorry to tell you that Amnon failed. And his failure is one of the most tragic stories in all of God's word. It's heinous. It's tragic. And it led to where all sin leads, death, because of one reason. See, he was holding his ground, he was battling, and he was resisting, and then something pushed it just enough. And this is what happened. But Amnon had a friend. He was on Facebook and received a friend request. Amnon had a friend. Amnon's failure was due to his choice of friends. And he lost the battle for his mind, and he lost out with God because he started hanging around with the wrong friends. And he lost his soul because he chose the wrong friend. And thank God for Reality Student Ministries, Reality Kids Ministry. Thank God for opportunities for our students to hear the truth from a young age and to be encouraged and to be mentored and for them to go on trips that help them love other people beside themselves. But when it's all said and done, it comes down to this. Whether you make it or not, go to heaven or hell, whether you win or you lose, much will be determined by the kinds of people you've allowed into your life. What caused Ammon to pivot and fall on the wrong side of the line, he had a friend that did not influence him for good who didn't encourage him to do the right thing. And his friend absolutely encouraged him and enabled Amnon to fall into wickedness. The influences you allow will determine your destiny. Pick your friends carefully. Because it matters who you hang with. It's not an outdated idea or concept when the word says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. That's not a scripture only about marriage. It's an inclusive scripture. It speaks of all kinds of relationships that develop. And it's important who you're yoked with. That doesn't mean you're supposed to be snooty and unkind to unbelievers. But but, but when their influence on you is more than you have on them, 
when they're influencing you to do wrong more than you influence them to do the right thing. It's time to draw a line. It's time to say, I like you, but I love him more. I'm seeing you, but I'd rather have more of him in my life. And if I have to choose between the two, I'll choose him because I want him more. And there's a short step from understanding someone who is not living right to excusing their actions, defending their actions, then joining their actions. Short step. Because that's the process. What kind of influences are your friends exerting over you today? What about right here in this service? The group you're seated with. What kind of influence are they exerting over you? Do, they, do you feel uncomfortable when people around you start worshiping God? Do you feel comfortable enough that you would stand up no matter what they do and worship the Lord and lift your hands? Or would that humiliate and embarrass you? Do they join you when you worship God? Or do you wish I wasn't preaching this today because you brought a friend with you and it's getting uncomfortable? <laughs> what kind of people are you choosing to hang with? The fingernail clipping bunch? Those who are texting their friends during the message? Facebooking during the message? The girl watching, boy watching, slumping in your seat, checking the time till the service is over? That the crowd? What kind of friends do you have? Look at them. Perhaps you ought to ask yourself, what kind of friend are you? Are you bringing them closer to God or pulling them further away? Are you, are you someone in a pew who brings worship to your row? Because no matter what they do, I'm a worshiper. Or are you someone who throws a wet blanket on anything God wants to do? Are you a good influence or a bad influence? Are you a friend like Amnon had? Are you a Jonadab? What kind of friend are you? Amnon might have made it, but he started listening to the wrong voices. He hung out with the wrong influences, and it cost him everything. See, this is about heaven or hell. This is about saved or lost. Are you willing to go to hell over some people and what they think? I don't care who you have to give up. I don't care what it costs you. I don't care what you have to cut off. It's worth it to gain Jesus Christ. And no matter whom you have to look at... Because they've crossed lines with you and say, I'm never going out with you again. You're a freak. It's over. Listen, I'm through with you. There are times when you have to take a stand and say, this is the way it's going to be. So Jonadab catches Amnon at a vulnerable time. And Amnon isn't eating. He's tired. He's weary of the battle. He's fighting. And out of nowhere, seemingly, and you watch this story, Jonadab appears and when he could have encouraged Amnon to do the right thing, Amnon, what's wrong with you, man? You look terrible. You need to do the right thing. You need to go to your father, the king. Don't do anything until you've had the conversation with your dad. Go talk to your dad. Amnon says, look, I'm in love with Tamar, and I want her. And if Jonadab would have been a true friend, he would have said, let's pray first. Let's go see your dad. Let's talk it over with the king. Listen, he'll, he'll allow you to do the right thing by marrying her Let's do what's right. Put a ring on her finger because love gives a ring. Lust goes out looking for birth control. But she's hot. Hell is hot too. And you better remember that. And if he'd have been a true friend, and you know you've got some bad friends when you're on the verge and they come up to you go, go for it, man. 
Go, do it. And Jonadab said to him, you're the king's son. You can get by with stuff that no one else can. You can do things, eh, nobody will ever worry about it. You can do it, nothing's going to happen if you want her, take her. You can do anything you desire and get by with it because you are the king's kid. Well, Proverbs 12 says, the righteous is a guide to his neighbor, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Mm. There's a false doctrine being preached today. You can do anything you want to do and get by with it. That there's enough grace to cover anything you think or do. I'm saved by grace, and it doesn't matter if I commit adultery or live like hell. Makes no difference whatsoever. All i got to do is just think I'm covered by grace. Everything's going to be all right. I can do anything I want, and I'm going to get by with it. Hey, that's a lie. It's not what this book teaches. There are consequences. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. There will come a harvest. So Jonadab told Amnon, you can do anything like this. You can get by with it because of who you are. Hear me. You're not going to get by with anything. Nothing. As a matter of fact, if you're a king's kid, he'll spank you harder. He also told Amnon, I got a plan. Listen to me. The enemy always has a plan. Always. He said, you, can't, you look kind of rough. Get the word out that you're sick. Just go lie down in bed. Tell your father you're not feeling well. When your father shows up say, and he says, son, is anything wrong with you? What's going on with you? Say, look, I don't feel well, but I really like Tamar's cooking. Have her stop by and fix me something to eat, and I think that'll help me. I'll feel better. So it happened. David stops by. He checks in on Amnon. Amnon makes his request for Tamar to come by, and David sends her to cook for Amnon. Now, David didn't know his son was going to do something that treacherous. But David should have remembered his own folly with Bathsheba. And the radar should have started clanging in his head. But he didn't. And Jonadab encouraged Amnon to just take her virginity. Force yourself. Take what you want. And this is what his friend encouraged him to do. You think your friends don't matter? You think who you're hanging out with doesn't matter? That got in his mind. And when Tamar showed up, the word says he dismissed everybody else and had her come and feed him in his bedroom. And when she reached to feed Amnon, he grabbed her and forced her into his bed. And notice the lie. Jonadab suggested, you're missing something. You're missing something worth having. Sin always parades itself as the greatest thing in the world, always tells you it's wonderful, but sin is your greatest enemy. Sin is not your friend. That friend that hands you that joint is not your friend. The friend that says, come on, do this with us, is not your friend. If God says, no, not now, you don't need it. That's it. You don't. And if you're not obtaining what you think you should right now, God says, it's not for you now. Maybe later, but not now. This is life at its best when you're right with God and you're right with your family. And when you're serving God, you have life at its best. But if you don't know this God, you don't understand that the things he's asked of us are for our benefit and protection and for our good. And you blow right past the stop sign and the warning sign 
that there is no road ahead of you but a dead end. But people don't believe this. And here's how I know that serving God is life at its best. Because over the years, I've watched people walk down an aisle. And I've watched them come to Jesus, and their life gets transformed. And they're free from drunkenness, and they're free from addictions, and they're free from adultery or abuse from their past. And they repent and say, this is what I've been looking for. I'm alive now. This is what I've been missing all my life. Don't believe the lie of sin. It will leave you broken, leave you beaten down, leave you with guilt, remorse, disease, defeat, and pain. That's what sin will do for you. So Amnon forces her into a sexual relationship. And she tells him, look, you don't have to do this. You know, we can wait. We can do this the right way. We can get married. We can go to the, your father. You don't have to turn something so beautiful into something so ugly. This is not how God designed this. Let's do what's right in the king's eyes. Let's go to King David. Well, Amnon would not hear her. He had a friend who had already filled his mind with enablement. And the word says afterward, after he used her, after he took her virginity, he hated her. He hated Tamar so much he hated her more than he had loved her. So Amnon hated her exceedingly so that the hatred with which he hated her was greater than the love with which he had loved her. Oh, see, that's what sin does. What was meant to be beautiful, blessing, sacred, joyful, brought about hatred in his heart. When he was done with her, out of a covenant, not in covenant, now he got to see the ugly side of sin. His guilt and remorse overwhelms him, puts her out of his room, locks the door, forbids her from coming near him, and she's broken and she's weeping, and she go back, goes back to her brother Absalom's house. And she would never marry. She would never have children because of her disgrace. Now watch this. Absalom, her brother, hears the story, and he's bitter, and he's angry, and he's going to take care of his little sister's loss. He does not approach his half-brother Amnon for two years. Two years. They don't talk. But Absalom didn't forget. And Absalom threw a banquet one night in honor of his half-brother Amnon. And Amnon shows up, and when he was drunk with wine, listen to me, it's amazing what will happen when you get drunk on wine. Amazing. You want to defend it, but I'm telling you, there's nothing good that comes from it when people get drunk on wine. It causes more pain, more crime, more disasters in families than anything else I know. Look at the statistics. They're squawking about, you know, people dying from gun wounds and knife wounds. And Listen to me. Just look at the statistics of people's the damage that this does to our culture. Listen to me. Watch Absalom. Watch. Now, Absalom had commanded his servants and said, Watch now, when Amnon's heart is what? Merry with wine. When I say to you, Strike Amnon, then kill him. Do not be afraid. Have I not commanded you? Be courageous and valiant. So the servants of Absalom did to Amnon as Absalom had commanded. So the devil is getting some of you drunk on sex, on substance, on greed. You know why? So he can assassinate you. Because that's his role in the world. 
to assassinate you. You think it's fun. It's fun. I'm just having fun. There's a dagger in the middle of that fun. Satan is not your friend. Jonadab is not your friend. And I'm not preaching against people. I'm preaching against the devil and the messes he creates. They are not your friends. The word says Satan goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. A lion weighs over 350 pounds. It can run up to 35 miles an hour. It stands over eight feet tall on its hind legs. Its claws and teeth will crush your bones. It's a weapon. It will destroy you. And as soon as you walk out of these doors, there's a devil who hates you. He is not your friend. He will set you up. He will let you, he will let you get good and drunk on whatever it is that pleasure is you desire. He'll trap you in environments and there'll be a pleasure there for a season. I promise you, underneath the pleasure of sin are claws and fangs. There's a lamb out in the field. And the scripture says the lamb has left the fold. The 90 and 9 are safe, but the one is taking a hike. And there's a lion stealthily creeping up. He has his eyes locked on that innocent lamb. And the lion bolts and the lamb sees the lion out of the corner of his eye and begins to run, but it's too late. The lion overwhelms it, catches it, tears open its throat and tears, tears it apart, limb from limb, becomes its next meal, chewing, crunching its bones. That's a picture, the word says, is the enemy you have waiting for you. He wants to rip and tear your life to pieces. And just about the time the lion is to tear into you, where he's isolated you from the rest, suddenly the shepherd steps in between the lion and the lamb. And he grabs the lion by the head, and he engages the lion. And the lion claws him, and the lion bites him, and his fangs seep deeply into him. But the shepherd fights for his lamb and finally defeats the lion and saves the lamb. And he throws that lamb over his blood-soaked back and takes it back to the fold. Those were not just nail scars they placed in Jesus' hands. They were fangs. Those were not just stripes on his back. Those were claw marks. And Jesus has already fought the battle for your soul and defeated your adversary. So Calvary, there's a battle going on for your soul. People have warned you. Now you're being warned prophetically by a pastor. And God sent you here and I'm preaching this today. Listen, you have people around you who will destroy you unless you separate yourself from them. But there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. There's a friend who laid down his life for you. And no greater love than this, that a man laid down his life for his friend. He got between you and the lion. It tore him to pieces when he hung on that cross fighting for your soul. And that's why I get exasperated and my pastors get exasperated. And we ask you, what are you doing? Don't you understand this is about eternity? Really? This is not a game. So this is how it ends. Jonadab had plotted the whole storyline. 
It wasn't just about Amnon. This was bigger than Amnon. He steps out of the shadows after a report reaches King David. It wasn't a true report, but David believed it at the moment that all of his sons had been murdered. All of them. And no longer is Absalom now, in his mind, heir to the throne. Because now Jonadab plays on him knowing that if all of them were eliminated, he's in line for the throne. So he steps up to King David and he says, Not all of your heirs are dead. Your nephew, your brother's son, Jonadab, is still here. And he had set this entire plot in motion. Listen to me. The devil is not your friend. The person who hands you the Bud Light is not your friend. The person who hands you the weed and invites you to bed is not your friend. Yeah, this is a heavy message. But sometimes you need to hear the truth until it makes your toes hurt. Okay? What kind of people are you hanging out with? There is a friend you need to know named Jesus. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Wow. And that's the friend. He will never take you anywhere you don't need to go. He'll never send you anywhere you don't need to go. And anything he asks of you will always be for your good. And if you're going to listen to any friend, you better listen to the one who stepped in between you and the lion. There will be no greater friend in your life than the one who bears the scars of tangling with the lion on your behalf. So stand and thank him. Stand and praise him. Stand and honor him.